is Adam, and we had the opportunity to speak with Gavin Turek over Zoom video. Gavin was born and raised in Los Angeles. Not many people from Southern California actually born and raised there. So it's cool to speak with someone who is also from Southern California. I was born and raised in San Diego. Gavin, born and raised in Los Angeles. Her mother was in the music industry, so she grew up watching her mother and really aspiring to do what her mom does. She talked to us about attending an arts high school, writing music for the first time, being kind of discovered on MySpace, the success of her first EP release, and how watching an interview with a certain artist, she talks about the artist during the interview, really changed her perspective on life. And she came out of the pandemic or picked herself up during the pandemic and created this alter ego, Madam Gold, and that's the title of her new record, and she tells us all about that as well. You can watch our interview with Gavin Turek on our Facebook page and YouTube channel, at Bringing It Backwards. We'd love it if you subscribe to our channel, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok, at Bringing Back Pod. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. We're bringing it backwards with Gavin Turek. My name's Adam. I appreciate you doing this. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Sure. So our podcast is about you and your journey in music, and we'll talk about your brand new record as well. Okay, cool. Sweet, sweet. So where were you born and raised? Um, I was actually born and raised in Los Angeles. Oh, wow. I, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> One of the few. I was born and raised in San Diego, and there's not a whole lot of people <laughs> that are actually oh, nice. born and raised in Southern California, so that's cool. I know. Wow. Yeah, we're very rare, right? Everyone's right. a transplant. But yeah, I was born and raised <laughs> in LA, kind of outside like the city, but, but I still claim it. So. <laughs> sure, sure. Cool. That's yeah. awesome. What was it like growing up in LA? Busy? Um, yeah, it was, it was really fun. I think that when you're an LA kid, you kind of are naturally exposed to the entertainment industry at a very young age. Mm -hmm. Um, it, for me, my mom's the entertainer. She's an actor and a singer and she's a teacher and just very much a part of, um, black Hollywood, <laughs> like just the entertainment industry cool. on that end. And mm -hmm. so I was just always going to events. I was always going to acting class. I was always going to dance class. Like it was just a natural part of my, of my experience. So yeah, was it, it was, was rare in that way. <laughs> yeah. Or is this something you're always interested in? Like, did you want to do what your mom was doing? Yeah, I think like my, um, I mean, my early, I think my earliest memory is seeing my mom sing and then wanting to replicate what, what I was seeing. So I remember taking the mic, one of my earliest memories is taking her microphone away from her <laughs> and being <laughs> like, I'm going to sing this song better than you. I think I can. So <laughs> that's yeah, cool. I just always, I always saw her, um, singing and practicing we had this room in our house that was like a practice room kind of for her mm -hmm. and it just was a part of her daily life is singing and practicing and preparing and um yeah so it was it was very natural to 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 try sure. <laughs> to at least try yeah <laughs> exactly because i saw it so much that's cool did you do you play an instrument um, I play a little piano. My dad's okay. actually a piano player, but I'm, I wouldn't say that I'm good. So <laughs> I don't <Okay>. claim it. <laughs> yeah. Was he a piano? So was that something you tried early on where you're in like lessons or anything? 
Yeah. Yeah. I was in lessons and I, it's, it's one of, I think it's one of my only regrets in life is just not sticking with the piano. <laughs> but yeah, Same here. <laughs> really? Yeah. When like my, uh, my dad and my sister can play really well and I just never cared to learn. Like they yeah. like, we're like, Oh, do you want to do it? And I'm just like, nah. And right. Now, oh, so years later being like, why didn't I just learn? Exactly. Like, why didn't I just do it? Um, yeah. I, I started, I think taking lessons around six and then probably two years in, I convinced my parents that I, I didn't want to do it and it wasn't a good decision or no, no, it was a good decision for me to quit. Oh, okay. <laughs> it wasn't a good they, decision to keep going. <laughs> exactly. And they, um, yeah, they listened to me. I remember it was a, it was a very tense conversation in our kitchen. I was just really adamant about not doing it anymore. <laughs> They're like, okay, well, we can't force you to do this sure, so. sure. and it's expensive. So it's probably better. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Did you continue with like voice lessons or did you do like choir, chorus, musical theater, anything like that growing up? All of that. Yeah. Oh, okay. I did. <laughs> kind of like <laughs> dorky kid in that way did. Um, well, I went to the arts high school as well in, in Los oh, Angeles. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah. So we did musical theater there. I was a dance major, but did musical theater did choir in church, um, choir at school. And then I didn't really start taking like voice lessons seriously, probably until high school, like towards the end of high school. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. At, in the arts high school though, was that something you had to apply to get into or was it just something that you were interested in and you were able to go there? Yeah. Yeah. The arts high school was um, really, it's, it's still around. It's really amazing. It's basically a conservatory type of model that you can have during high school. So you do have to apply to get in and specialize in a particular art area. So whether dance, theater, um, music, visual arts, you have to do this kind of rigorous application process and then they don't select that many kids to get in. So it was, it was a really cool experience. Yeah. yeah. It must've been a big deal getting in, I would imagine. It was. I remember yeah. thinking it was the best day of my life <laughs> when I got in. <laughs> That's really cool. Did you do like a dance uh, audition? Like, yeah, yeah. You film yourself or do you have to go in and like audition for people in, in person? Yeah, it was all in person. Wow. Yeah. It was very fame. If you saw that movie. Oh, yeah. yeah, very yeah. much. Yeah. It was that vibe. You're, for sure. you're in that movie, aren't you? Did I see that you're <laughs> yeah. in that movie? No, okay, okay. Let me clarify. <laughs> I'm, yeah, like, I don't want people to think I'm cooler than I am. So, I definitely got cast and I was in the movie, but they cut me out of the final version. So oh. it's on M IMDb or whatever, but that's where I, I saw it. I was like, me. oh, wow, that's awesome. Yeah, oh, no, it, was, so you, it was great in the moment, bad. but then I was cut out and I was a little bummed about that. Sure. Oh, well, I'm <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry for bringing up the past. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine. Oh, okay. I, don't, I don't cry about it anymore. So. That's good. That's good. <laughs> Yeah. So after, after attending high school for dance, when were you always singing and like, when did songwriting come into your life? That's a good question. I, I kind of remember always songwriting. I think I wrote my first song, which was definitely a song about Jesus at mm -hmm. um, six. Wow. <laughs> I was super young. And I always, it was, it was so natural to me. I didn't know it, it wasn't natural for everybody to write songs. Like that's how just innate it was mm -hmm. and because my whole family sang I always had people to 
um, kind of share what was in my mind and see if they wanted to sing it with me. So I have two older sisters and we always sing together as well. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I just remember having melodies and lyrics always in my head and whether or not, whether I wrote them down or recorded them, um, that was kind of up in the air, but I always, yeah, I I just, I've always, I always was either, I'm sorry, I was always either writing them down or recording them like into a recorder, cassette recorder Mm -hmm. or something. And it was just very natural to me though. Like I, yeah. And I didn't get serious about it probably until college actually. Like, Oh really? Mm-hmm. Was there something that oh, sparked really? your interest or like what, why did you start taking it seriously? Um, I guess that was around the time where I got a computer, ah, okay, <laughs> <laughs> my own computer. And naturally, you know, when you go to college and, um, I had GarageBand and I was like, you know, have some ideas, maybe try a little producing. (laughs) And I think I was just going through, I think I was, yeah, in love for the first time. And that just brings out so much, you know, in you. And um, I was trying to process it. I remember in college writing a lot of songs about it. And then it just made sense to at least try to produce songs these songs that I was writing. So then mm-hmm. I tried and then that to make a very long story short, basically those productions, very amateur productions that I did in college, I, um, I put up on MySpace. <laughs> I'm really okay. aging myself. <laughs> no, I, I, I remember MySpace. Like <laughs> yeah. I was in college in MySpace days. <laughs> yeah, right. So yeah, that's kind of like how it all started for me in terms of um, being considering myself or dabbling as a solo artist in, in writing and producing. So, yeah. Okay. And then when you were putting your songs on MySpace, did, I read something that somebody, somebody grabbed your attention, right. Or got the attention of you and, and contacted you via MySpace. Yeah. Yeah. A few people did. Um, um, Toki monster did. Um, she was also kind of like, just doing her thing on MySpace had a lot of original production. I mean, all her productions original, but a lot of her production. And I remember, I remember getting her message and being like, Oh, this is really cool. Like she seems like she knows what she's doing. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, and then I remember my first kind of producer who produced songs like just for me, I met through MySpace. Um, I, I met my first manager through MySpace. Yeah. So I, I, I made a lot of like kind of fruitful connections, um, through MySpace back in the day that ended up being yeah, like a part of my, like a big part of my journey, I guess. So. Yeah. Cause Toki Monster, I mean, the first one you named, that's what I was thinking of when, when yeah. I asked you the question. Yeah. I mean, she's got a huge following, right? Yeah. Yeah. She's incredible. I mean, yeah, she, um, I mean, just really she's really obviously talented and good at what she does. But what I recognized early on um, when we connected and when I met her back in the day was just, she already had a sense of how she wanted to market herself and in her branding was already what it like, I mean, it's evolved since then, but it was Mm -hmm. already very cohesive and very clear. And I thought it was compelling. So I was kind of like, wow, this, this is a, 
this is someone I can learn from. I think I, I, I had that in my mind as mm-hmm. well. And the fact that she was a woman doing it and producing, mm-hmm. and that's kind of what I wanted to do in a way, but I also wanted to sing. Um, yeah, I thought, I just, I thought it can be a fruitful relationship and it, and it was, and it ended up being um, just very organic, how kind of our collaborations happened and rolled out and we're still friends now. So very mm-hmm. cool. And mm-hmm. what was the first like success that you saw? Like a little, you know, like a song going, getting a bunch of streams. Like what was the first uh, success you had? Do you remember? Um, it was with Toki. It was, oh, well, uh, okay. yeah, we, she released, well, she sent me some um, demos. I remember some instrumentals and I ended up writing in what I thought was probably just demoing them mm-hmm. in my at home, like in my computer. I didn't even have a mic at the time. So I was like literally singing into my computer. Really? Like the, the Mac mic? Yeah. <laughs> or like yeah. on the, down the laptop. That's Absolutely. rad. <laughs> no, it's, it's insane. So you, those two songs that we, that ended up making it on her EP were literally those demo, same vocals um, darkest dim and, and little pleasures. And those are kind of Whoa. like two of her most popular songs still to yeah. this day. So yeah, those oh, are like the wow. two songs that I didn't realize of, that I was, was like, that oh, early wow, in your career. Happening. Oh my yeah, gosh. Yeah. Super, okay. Super. That was 2000. I think those came out in 2012 or 2011. So yeah, it was a long time ago. Wow. Yeah, almost 10 years, 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you, you record the vocals on your Mac microphone, your computer microphone. Yeah. They produce them and then what they just start taking off on MySpace or were they up on SoundCloud? Like do you, do you remember where you started seeing the No, she actually was with Rain Feeder at the time. So yeah, they released it properly. Um an entire EP. Uh, okay. In those I think there's five songs on the EP, and those two songs were a uh, part the of the big it, ones. So. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And those are kind of like the singles too. Yeah. So that so. kind of validated you as a singer, I would imagine. Um, I guess so. I mean, it was cool to see. It still blows my mind. People still respond to those songs and still write me about those songs and still say like how those songs have touched them in some way. And yeah, it blows my mind. And I don't know if I felt validated at the time, honestly, because I was so, I was still, I mean, I'm still trying to figure out (laughs) the music but I was so new and I was so it was so early and I was so new and naive towards how everything worked so uh-huh. it was um yeah it was it was definitely a cool moment and I was excited and I was I think I was more just like okay well what do I need to do now and how do I get my solo material out and mm-hmm. who am I going to work with on my solo material I was still really trying to figure all that out which took a really, really long time to say the least to, to get that side kind of when going. Did, yeah. When did that kind of come together for you? In my opinion, <laughs> it came together for me um, in 2016, 2017. I finally met my producer who I still work with to this day. He, he, to me is my Quincy, like okay. <laughs> I'm, obs- I'm obsessed with him. I think, we kind of are a match in, in music. Um, and before I met him, it's similar to dating in that (laughs) you're like, 
meeting with a lot of these producers and kind of um, a lot of trial and error and a lot of, yeah, first dates, meeting like first sessions where you try to write a song, see if there's a vibe there, see if there's chemistry there. Um, I'm really, I'm, it's pretty easy for me to, when I first meet someone to, um, to vibe enough, enough with that I kind of can create something, but that doesn't mean that's, that's going to lead to a fruitful relationship or, um, fruitful collaboration. So I just kind of got to the point where I was meeting a lot of people, but I hadn't had that like, okay, this is the person where I think we can really grow together and we can really spend time in developing a unique sound that is really unique to me. Um, so when I met Chris Hartz, who is out of LA as well, who's also an LA native, I just had that feeling. <laughs> like you're, yeah, this is this is good. Like we should, we should do something. <laughs> We're good for each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. And did you what was the first record you guys put out together? Mm. Um, a song called On the Line. Okay. Yeah. And that was in 2016 when we put that out yeah wow okay yeah. And from there you just kept putting out records i know you have a song the song whitney which is huge online yeah yeah we did whitney together um yeah since pretty much since then he's been my my go-to um creative partner and we put out a lot of singles mm-hmm. um he co-produced an ep that i did in 2017 uh, a lot of singles since then. And then um, the new album, he produced the whole thing. So, wow. Yeah. Okay. So where I'm curious to know where you were at when, like when the world shut down and how that affected this new record or how was this done or did you record it over the course of the last year and a half? Mm-hmm. Where, yeah. Where, yeah <laughs> where were you when the world shut down? Yeah. Where was I? Um, I was in LA. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I basically, me and Chris actually started recording and writing um, songs for the album in 2018. So we were kind of like super deep into the process. Um, I had, I had released, as I said, an EP that did pretty well in 2017 Mm -hmm. and was really just trying to focus on touring after that was out and any opportunities I was getting, I was, I was taking. So I did, um, I did some national touring and I did a little bit of international touring. Um, that was really awesome and and great. And then I stopped that. I think the last tour I went on was maybe mid 2018. So once that was kind of over, I got in the studio to just try to work on like a full length album. And yeah, me and Chris got to the point I want to say in mid 2019, where we had a version of the album ready to at least show some people show like my team and stuff. And, and, um, when we, yeah, when we got to that point, um, we were getting some feedback and like some mixed feedback and basically we're like, okay, we're not totally done with this, but, um, maybe we're a little stuck or maybe we're a little bit unsure of how to wrap it up or what we need. Um, I think a lot of artists have these, have these like ridiculous conversations or not ridiculous, but just re- realistic conversations with people that they're working with where they're like, this is great, but we need this or we need this one kind of song or one more song like this. And, and I was kind of at that point. So um, we, 
took a little bit of a break and started just working on maybe some, I think we were working on a live, like a live show again. And, Mm -hmm. um, and then the world shut down. So I was in LA and, um, very discouraged because when we were, we, when we went into lockdown, I was not only, you know, just sad about that, but it was the whole music industry at that time kind of shut down. So Mm -hmm. we didn't know when live shows were coming back. Um, that's, you know, a big way, a lot of that I make money and that a lot of my peers make money, um, primarily just through Mm -hmm. like live events, live show opportunities. So that was kind of rough. And, um, and then I had this body of work that was almost finished, but I didn't really have a plan for how to release it and when to release it. And yeah, I was just super discouraged. Mm -hmm. So, um, basically I want to say in the summer, kind of after the, just the intensity of the June of 2020 that we can all remember Right, <laughs> June and July were just, I don't Wait, even know, like those were the most, yeah, most intense like months of probably many of our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, I was really just sick of being on social media. I was sick of just everything. And I um, remember having a moment where I was listening to um, a visual artist that I really love talk about her experience in this point of her career that she came to where she had to really decide whether she's she was going to portray herself in the same way or if she was going to kind of reinvent herself and in that journey and that process and she really talked about being um, the difference between presenting herself as a victim versus presenting herself as a hero. And she took it quite literally and ended up presenting herself as a superhero in that talk and how she was just so kind of like this tough love, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like mentality behind what she was saying really struck me because I realized that even though me and a lot of people were having a hard time um, just from the circumstances in the world, that there was no reason that I needed to stop or stay like stuck in a victim mentality. Mm-hmm. And I, um, I kind of used that moment to reignite my, <laughs> my just desire to get this music out and, um, and then a desire to portray myself just really differently. Mm-hmm. So I ended up um, getting back in the studio, writing maybe four more songs for the album, adding some interludes. And then um, before I knew it, the album was was done. And it was it was like fully done in January of 2021. Wow. So that's the long story <laughs> that you can edit. <laughs> no, no, I love that story. And then <laughs> so, so the the re or the the, the 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 new you is Madam Gold. Is that the persona that you kind of discovered yeah. throughout the that process of after you listened to that talk? Yeah, yeah. Basically, um, it, it's it's weird. I think I don't know if you can relate to this, but when I have these really special moments, I call them downloads, like artistic oh, downloads. I like where that. it's kind of an undeniable um, feeling that you get 
that you need to either pursue something or someone, a relationship, an idea, and that you have to do it now. That is Mm -hmm. exactly what I got when I was listening to her. And I was already familiar with her work. I was already inspired by her work. I'm inspired by a lot of visual artists, um, especially like black women who do visual art. And Mm -hmm. so just, I just had that moment where I, it was like her, decision needed to be my decision, I guess, in this way. Like right. I, I was at a similar crossroads in my career where I had to make a decision to either be the Gavin that I was really comfortable being or um, save myself per se and become a superhero. And why I chose Madam Gold as that visual vehicle, like why I chose that name, um, why I chose that as my alter ego um, was because when I thought about like the Gavin that I wanted to be, I don't know why that, that was the name that came to me. When I think of Madame Gold, I think of someone that is like really confident and strong and like, and resilient. I don't know if this is cheesy, but this is like genuinely what I thought. Like, I was like, wow. I can feel really discouraged, but I feel like if I take on this Madam Gold character, like all of a sudden I'm going to stand up straighter and I'm going to walk in a room and have big hair and just be like, I'm here. Right. <laughs> you know? Look but- at me. Like, I think Madam has a lot of different connotations to it, but to me, that just re- that implies like a really badass, like strong. I was just going to say that. Like when I hear Madam, I just think of like a badass woman coming yeah. into the room. Like, oh, wait, everybody look, that's Madam, that's Madam Gold. Like pay attention. You yes. know what I mean? Yeah. Like, oh, I'm glad. Yeah. That it, yeah. But then you get it too. Like that's exactly what I thought of. And then gold, you know, is just, it was just kind of roll off the tongue, a natural thing. Powerful, I had already been like, kind of. Yeah. Another powerful thing, you know, if you have the sure. gold, you have, you know, the, <laughs> it's just it, what I like when the madam, when I, cause yeah, like you said, that you can take that a certain way, a different way. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. when I hear madam, I just think of like, okay, this is somebody like an elite person or a powerful person that I'm speaking with. Oh, you're a madam. Okay. I need yeah. to like respect you. I'm sorry. Like, sure. <laughs> you know what I mean? Good. Good. Yeah. I'm glad you think that. Yeah, that totally. That's what I, that's what came to me as well. So it was kind of, it was, it was weird and random, but at the same time, it made so much sense because again, I was already so deep into this writing process and mm-hmm. the original, <laughs> my original ideas for the visuals and the, even the name of the album, which is so focused on me as, um, as like this sad, like, depressed version of of me mm-hmm. <laughs> and not that that it can't be um explored or cherished or you know just I don't know exposed um I think obviously you hear it on the album if you listen to it like I'm I am pretty vulnerable on it mm-hmm. but I don't think that your story has to stop there so I thought it was really important for me to say like yeah I'm being honest and um, I have had to overcome a lot internally, but I, I'm using all of that pain to become my superpower mm-hmm. and I'm sharing it. And now I'm stronger because of it. So therefore I'm, I'm saving myself and I'm my own superhero. 
then that's the end of the story. Then the story isn't like, Gavin is just sad. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I felt like I was kind of there before I had that download moment um, Mm -hmm. from that artist talk. And by the way, the artist, I love giving credit to her because she's been so wonderful Um, since I've been talking about her we we have like a somewhat of a relationship now which is awesome but her name is renee cox and if you aren't familiar with her work like go look it up it's i was gonna check it out i I wanted to figure out who this was i was gonna yeah (laughs) she's amazing renee cox Mm -hmm. awesome did you have most of the record finished before you listened to her talk and kind of got this new outlook and did it change Um, the album at all yeah, no, it I had a lot of the record kind of finished. I it but it did change it in that I didn't um hmm it was like I had I guess the easiest way to explain it is I had a lot of songs but I didn't have a necessarily a a through line or a clear direction mm-hmm. to have to bring everything together like a as cohesive like a cohesive album. Okay. Yeah. A cohesive body of work. I think naturally, um, even though sonically we explore so many different genres on the album, mm-hmm. um, because I have one producer and, um, we are also co-writing together. Like it, there is somewhat of a through line with, with, um, with the sound of it. So it wasn't so much like it was all over the place in that way. It was just with the intention. I think like, any body of work, especially an album today, um, I really respond to albums that have a clear intention and I can kind of tell when there's not. I think right now we're like in such a mode of, um, you know, just consuming as much music as possible. And a lot of people make albums that are not, they maybe just don't have the time to put that type of intention Right. Or it's a bunch um, of singles that they message. just kind of throw together into like an EP or into something. Into EP. Sure. Yeah. And and I really wanted it to, I really wanted it to have a foundation of a clear message, you know, mm-hmm. um, so that no matter what song you hear, no matter how it kind of like resonates with you or what particular song resonates with you, that when you hopefully see the imagery behind it, if you watch one of the videos, if you read an Instagram post that you at least know what my intention was with mm-hmm. it and um, hopefully be in, inspired to just, you know, become your own superhero <laughs> <I like that. laughs> from it. That was, yeah, that's, that's my, that's my goal for sure. That's really cool. And there's something to be said about a full body or like a full album and being able to sit there and like, listen to it through. And like you said, have that, that beginning, middle and end kind of, element to it i i I still am a huge fan of listening to a whole record all the way through instead of like oh i'm gonna punch through number three the single there and then the next single at number seven or there's a reason why i've said this before but there's a reason why you put certain songs in the the order they are there you have the first song there for a reason and the fifth song there for a reason and the last song there for a reason yeah the track list is super important or the sequencing mm-hmm. sorry sure, sequencing. Sequencing. that's what i meant it's really yeah. important we took a lot of time to figure that out too but yeah i love it i'm i'm at the end of the day i'm just a fan you know of mm-hmm. music and a fan of other artists and i i'm thinking about um their why and like as as just a fan so i try mm-hmm. to put myself in other people's shoes when it comes to my work and be like okay what what might what might work what might be a, a 
an interesting listening experience, even if they're not familiar, even if they're not into um, this genre per se, like, how can I tell a story that might bring somebody in, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Definitely. Mm -hmm. And I think sequencing is something that a lot of like listeners don't really think about too much when it comes to why yeah. I mean, you, I'm sure you spent a lot of time figuring out which song is going to go where. We did. It took yeah. so much time. <laughs> yeah. And it's like something that maybe people just take so for granted. Much. They're like, Oh, well, yeah, it's number three. I like number exactly. five. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> but ideally it's, it's the sequencing is done so well that people are kind of tricked into thinking like, Oh, this was just a natural, easy flow. Thing. Oh, right. You right. Know? Exactly. Right. Like, I I think this is just so organic. Like, I guess that's the goal, right? <laughs> that's so the goal. I watched perfect example. I watched Ali Wong recently. I went, my friend took me to her show in New York. Oh, she and is hilarious so funny and we were so impressed with her sequencing of her of her story mm -hmm. and her jokes it wasn't even though she had bits they were so woven together and so fluid and just easy to listen to mm -hmm. that um yeah i wasn't thinking about like track one two three like right. it was a whole just cohesive fluid body of work yeah Just she gets like to the end like, and you're like wonderful. oh wow that all made total sense, that all made like, sense. yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. Cool. that's that's ideal I i've think. never seen her live but her her work is hilarious i mean I, like the she, stuff she's written for tv and even her uh, her jokes and stuff her specials and stuff are really funny. oh my god she was so funny she's amazing <laughs> i love the special she has i think it's on netflix where she's pregnant yeah Baby oh, Cobra. Yeah, yeah, Baby Cobra. That one's so good. <laughs> she is out of control in the best way. Yeah. That's so cool. <laughs> um, you spoke earlier about live shows and kind of, you know, that's a big way artists make money and, and you make money. And is yeah. that something that you're, you've been able to do yet since the pandemic has kind of. No, I haven't. Uh, trickled I, out I'm, a little bit, but I guess it's coming. I mean, knock on wood that it's not gonna get nearly as bad as it was but anyway yeah it's it's still i guess the pulse is that it's happening but i think people even if tours are confirmed are still a little bit nervous and hoping that nothing gets canceled or mm -hmm. or whatnot um in la it's kind of like for example we uh, we need to still wear masks inside everybody has to show like a vaccination card for all these different venues so yeah, it's happening. Um, I know we're planning on going out, I think at the end of October into early November, that will be like my first venture back into live, wow. <laughs> to live shows. So yeah, I'm nervous. I feel, I almost feel like I have to relearn how to do this all, <laughs> all again. <laughs> yeah. It's just been so long and I've done some live streaming, but that's so different. You know, it's, it's hard to even compare because when you're live and there's an audience there, yeah, just, it's like theater, you know, <laughs> everything's you're, you're exposed in a totally different way. And mm -hmm. you have this beautiful exchange between like their, their um, reaction and then how you respond to that. And it's, it's so wonderful, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really, I'm kind of nervous about it, but I'm, I'm excited. <laughs> That's really cool. So October, you said, what are you just doing? What West coast are you doing a whole country or? Yeah, no, I'm going to start off with just the, 
the West Coast and then mm-hmm. um, and then probably wait to do East Coast. I'm very sensitive to the cold. So <laughs> <laughs> Well, you're from LA. I get it. <laughs> I'm like, well, can we push East Coast maybe to uh, warmer weather? Um Sure. Yeah. So that's that's the plan right now. <laughs> yeah, you probably don't want to come out to the East Coast and November, December. December. Yeah. Right, right, right. I just my family yeah. and I just moved from San Diego six months ago to Nashville. And it's like Okay. That was a shocker. I was like, wow, it's 30, 29 degrees in the morning. Oh now, I mean, goodness. right now it's like in the 90s and humid. But when we right. first got here in February, it was it was freezing. Yeah, I'm used to like cool. 70 and, mm-hmm. you know, partly partly cloudy. What is this, like 30 <laughs> degrees. Mm-hmm. But I, yeah. I feel you on the sensitive to, to the cold, but that's exciting um, that you get yeah. to, you know, play some shows coming up and the record's awesome. And thank you so much for talking with me today. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I have one <laughs> more question before I let you go, Gavin. I want to know yeah. if you have any advice for aspiring artists. Oh gosh. Um, I guess I would say the number one thing I tell myself is to, and I would say to anyone else that um, has the desire or the conviction, rather, it has to be probably a bit more of a desire. It has to be like a conviction that you want to, that you need to make music, that you need to do this. Um, if you have that, then I would say don't wait for anybody's validation in order to move forward what, with what you um what, what you have in your heart. So if that means writing a song and um, finding a producer, if that means doing a live show, like just don't wait for somebody to validate you before you actually pursue it because you could be waiting your whole life. <laughs> Nobody's got time. Nobody's got time for that. So. <laughs> yeah. I just, that's my biggest thing. And then, um, I always say, use what you have in your hand. Like I started making songs on GarageBand. It's not, it's a um, pretty easy tool and accessible tool um, that a lot of people have access to. It's a great, great place to start. If you don't have a computer, but you have access to a piano or have access to a guitar, like there's just always something that you can do if you have that conviction. So I would, um, yeah, use what you have in your hand. If you just have a note, notebook and a pen, then start writing your thoughts down, your dreams down, can turn into a song. Um, many times that has happened to me. So, yeah, I, I would say those, those two things are my advice um, because they can get you really far. <laughs> just, you never know. 